and welcome to another episode of Cloud9Fin, the podcast where we talk about corporate debt all day and all night. Honestly, we're kind of obsessed with it. I'm your host, Will Cager-Smith, and today I'm excited to introduce an episode all about convertible bonds. Not necessarily a core part of our coverage here at 9Fin, but definitely an area of interest where a lot of the companies we cover quite regularly have made an appearance in the past few months. So here's a discussion I had recently with David Hume, a portfolio manager at Advent Capital Management. Now, Advent is an investment firm with a lot of expertise in convertibles. In fact, its president and CEO, Tracy Maitland, has even written a book on the asset class. So without further ado, let's get into it. So welcome, David. Thanks for coming in. Um, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself for listeners? Uh, thank you. Yes. Uh, so my name is David Hume. I'm with Advent Capital Management. I've been at Advent over 20 years, focusing on the convertible asset class. Awesome. All right. So to kick off, for the benefit of any listeners who might not be familiar with convertible bonds, since that's not necessarily a core area of coverage for us, although it is somewhat adjacent. Can you explain in kind of fairly simple terms what a convertible bond is? Sure. Um, So a convertible is a um, fixed income instrument uh, that uh, pays a coupon typically and uh, has a maturity, but it's also convertible into a fixed number of shares. So at maturity, the investor can choose whether to be repaid at par or to receive the um, value of the uh, conversion value, which you know may, may be significantly above par. So it's at the investor's option. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, I mean, can you give an idea of the overall size of the market? Yeah, the market uh, is globally is uh, just under half a trillion dollars. Um, and a little over 60% of that is in the United States with the remainder being equally split between Europe and uh, Asia. Okay, cool. So looking back over the past few years, the convertible bond market has kind of had some ups and downs, especially since the pandemic. Um, it feels like it got really hot in sort of late 2020 and early 2021 when you saw a lot of tech companies with very hot stocks, some kind of household names like Peloton, Airbnb, Spotify issuing converts. So perhaps you could just explain why this market was such an attractive way for those kinds of companies to raise money at that time. Yeah, so the um, uh, the convertible market uh, did very well in, uh, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, this was a period when um, uh, growth stocks were in favor, uh, interest rates were, were very low. And uh, during the early part of the pandemic, many of these companies saw their businesses uh, demand increased uh, very significantly. And um, so the, uh, the companies took, the, took advantage of uh, favorable market conditions uh, to issue uh, convertibles with relatively low coupons, some, in, some were even zero coupons. Um, and um, this was opportunistic financing. Um, and, uh, but we also saw some issuance from companies that needed money as a result of, uh, of COVID shutdowns. Right. Okay. And just again, for any listeners who might not be super familiar, the reason that you as an investor might be interested in holding a zero coupon convertible bond that doesn't pay any interest on an annual basis is because of the potential upside at maturity or conversion, right? In, in terms of, you know, you, you might get paid back at par if it doesn't convert to equity, but the idea is that it will convert to equity at a predetermined strike price, and then you're holding equity with theoretically kind of unlimited upside, right? 
That's right. So these uh, these convertibles were issued by uh, growth-oriented companies. You know, many of them had uh, uh, very high growth rates, and so investors that were investing in these bonds were um, uh, determining whether there would be potential upside via the equity uh, uh, upside. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, hedge funds are able to arbitrage uh, these convertibles, and they're able to benefit from volatility. So, in many cases, uh, the buyers of these uh, bonds were, were hedge funds that were able to looking to profit from moves in, in volatility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. So then you mentioned just in your previous answer, the kind of growth stock bonanza. And that kind of started to peter out in late 2021 and early 2022 as, as rates started to rise. And it was kind of around that time that it became clear that for a lot of these companies, turning a profit and generating reliable free cash flow was probably quite a long way off. And on top of that, growth was which was the thing that had been kind of propelling these stocks into the stratosphere was starting to kind of slow down. And so some of these converts became kind of distressed as it became clear that the stock price was less and less likely to reach the strike price at which the bonds would convert to equity. So that essentially just means that the, the debt becomes just another debt obligation that needs repaying with cold, hard cash, right? Is that the the right way to think about this um so uh so many of these companies uh had had raised uh, convertible debt and, and a convertible is often a first foray into uh, fixed income markets uh, uh, for corporations and so over half of the convertible market has no other debt on their balance sheet mm. so uh, so these companies had issued convertibles generally uh, as the equity had declined in value the um convertible had also declined and had become priced as a straight bond would be from the same company. So trading at a discount to par, but investors were evaluating the credit profile of the company. And many of these companies had not actually spent the money that they raised uh, during either IPO rounds or, or, or the uh, convertible issuance. And so they were in a, a fairly strong position um, from a net debt perspective. Right, yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, distressed convertible bonds don't necessarily sound like a super compelling investment opportunity, but... I mean, you kind of just answered the question I was about to ask, which is, why is there value in convertible bonds now? And as you were saying, part of that seems to be because a lot of these companies had very large cash balances and not much other debt on their balance sheet. So I'm curious, what is the, does that outlook still hold today? Like, is this trend continuing and are, are there still a bunch of converts out there that are just waiting to be paid back by companies that still have quite large liquidity buffers or have they started to burn through those cash reserves a bit? Yeah, so what we're seeing uh, in the market at the moment is many of these companies are, are taking advantage of the um, discounts that are available in their securities. And so they're buying them back in the open market. Uh, they uh, will often pay a a premium to the market price uh, to get size, uh, to, and they're retiring this debt, so they're making their, themselves financially stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and um, many of the companies are growth-oriented companies, as we discussed earlier, and um, they've continued to grow uh, through this period. And um, the outlook for the companies may well be uh, still very intact. So, mm -hmm. uh, so they may eventually grow into their um, uh, conversion price. What we're also seeing is a number of companies issuing new convertibles. So they're taking out their existing convertible and issuing a new one. Now, these new bonds are typically coming with higher coupons. 
um, lower conversion premiums and um, and so and five years of call protection. So the outlook um, for those uh, newly issued convertibles is is, is very favorable. Mm-hmm. So can you give any specific examples recently or kind of themes in terms of sectors that have accessed the market recently or where you see value in the convertible bond space? Yeah, so um, so some of the themes that we like uh, in the convertible market uh, relates to uh, electrification of vehicles um, and uh, the provision of alternative energy such as solar and wind and hydrogen. And we like uh, manufacturers that, uh, that tailor to that um, as well as uh, companies that invest in infrastructure. Um, we also like uh, many companies in the healthcare space where we're seeing um, companies uh, that are uh, pioneering new methods of uh, genetic testing or treatment of diseases via genetic um, uh, identification, um, as well as diabetes management. Um, and um, on a more cyclical uh, basis, we like uh, normalization of uh, travel post the pandemic. So we're seeing um, attractive opportunities in hotels, transportation, cruise lines, and so on. Okay. And I feel like there's also an angle here about interest rates that's worth discussing. I mean, fixed income investors, especially those that focus on floating rate debt, like syndicated leverage loans and private credit, are increasingly voicing concerns about how companies are going to handle their ballooning interest costs as base rates continue to move higher. I mean, we had the the Fed hiking again recently, another 25 basis points, despite all the turmoil in the markets with Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. And there have been some examples recently of companies refinancing leverage loans with convertible bonds to address this issue. I think integer holdings is is one that we saw relatively recently. So do you think that's a trend that we'll see more of going forward? Um, We certainly believe so, yes, because um, uh, companies are um, able to issue in the convertible market typically at a, a discounted coupon relative to the high yield market or even the investment grade market. So typically coupons are in the three to 4% range. Um, and um, and the equity option that they are issuing is out of the money. So versus a- issuing equity, it's an attractive option and it's a much cheaper option than, um, uh, than issuing uh, other forms of debt. And of course, the one benefit of a convertible, uh, if the company grows uh, into the conversion uh, premium, that they may never have to pay repay this convertible at mm-hmm. maturity. And I feel like, it's interesting. A lot of the convertible bonds that we hear about on the editorial team here are the sort of the busted ones from the slightly meme or kind of hot, like hot stock names. Um, again, household names like Peloton and that kind of thing that have that have really struggled in terms of their business model and generating free cash flow and reaching profitability. But as you mentioned, there's kind of a bunch of other issuers and sectors out there that have fared a lot better. So it's it, you know clearly the convertible bond market is not just about the the uh, the, the hot tech company once hot tech companies that have um, that have started to struggle a little bit, but I also just briefly want to talk about some of the trading opportunities in the convertible bond market. For example, arbitrage in terms of arbitrage and convertible bonds versus common equity. So it sounds like this is a, it's a pretty kind of um, it's a pretty common strategy in converts. So. Maybe you could explain the mechanism behind that, how it works, and and what the what the attraction of that trade is. Sure, sure. So, well, um, convertibles have uh, the convertible market has a wide range of investors, from long only investors to crossover investors to to hedge funds, 
and hedge funds and dealer desks will typically short common stock against a convertible bond position. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, enables them to trade in greater size um, and uh, have a market neutral position. Now they make money um, by trading uh, around the stock hedge in response to volatility in the underlying stock. Um, and um, convertibles will typically uh, trade at lower implied volatility than listed equity options. So that they can also trade equity options against their position. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, sounds like some fairly attractive arbitrage to be had there. Correct. Right. And a couple more things about converts that I just want to explore. Um, these are things that sometimes don't necessarily get a lot of airtime. So one thing is liquidity. So the convertible bond market, to my understanding, is pretty clubby. And often when people talk about kind of uh, clubby asset classes that are dominated by a kind of small group of, of um, sort of connoisseur investment in, in investors, um, you generally associate those kind of clubby markets with illiquidity. But converts are actually relatively liquid compared to some other asset classes. Is that is that a fair a fair assessment? Yeah, convertibles are are typically as liquid as the underlying stock, mm. and um, uh, it's it, they generally are much more liquid than than high yield bonds. So the convertible market will turn over as a percentage of the face amount outstanding, much at a much greater level uh, than. Um, high yield bonds, and that the reason for that is uh, the wide variety of different investors mm -hmm. um, and uh, the ability to hedge. So dealers will transact in greater size. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then my other question was going to be around default rates, which, as far as I understand it, are actually quite low compared to regular high yield bonds. So maybe you can just unpack that a little bit and explain what's going on there. Yeah, sure. So um, default rates um, uh, over time and convertibles uh, just over 1% uh, per annum uh, versus uh, high yield and leverage loans in the 3% range. Uh, the reason for that, I, I believe, is um, because convertibles are issued by publicly listed companies. And so those companies, if they um, get into trouble, can issue equity to repay the convertibles. They can also um, uh, change the terms on the convertibles at, at maturity by issuing a new uh, bond. Um, and also about 25% of the market is investment grade. So um, there's a, a slightly higher credit quality as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I guess, as we discussed earlier, you know, many of the companies in this market have either no other debt on the balance sheet, or if they're investment grade, obviously much higher credit quality than you might see in the kind of regular high yield bond market. That's correct. Right. And, and one final thought, given the, the hybrid structure of convertible bonds, you know, they're kind of debt kind of equity, what's the best way for investors to think about where exactly in their investing strategy convertible bonds might fit best? That's a good question. Um, so convertibles are a very flexible instrument uh, because they have characteristics of debt and equity. Um, so the way that we see uh, investors using it, it may be to de-risk an equity allocation because over time convertibles have delivered equity-like returns with lower risks than stocks. And so um, a well-funded pension plan might include it within their equity allocation. But we also uh, see investors using it as an enhanced fixed income uh, component. Uh, there's little issue or overlap with high yield, so it's quite complementary to high yield. Mm. And convertibles have lower default rates and um, also a lower duration. Right. That makes sense. And I guess another question that's kind of been sitting at the back of my mind throughout this conversation is, there's a particular type of convertible bond that's been in the news a lot recently that some of us are kind of sick of talking about, which is bank capital convertibles, which are a 
very different animal I used to report on these years ago when when I first started in, in financial journalism. Um, and there are some high yield investors within the kind of universe that, that we cover at Ninefin that, that use additional tier one and contingent convertibles, that kind of thing, that kind of bank debt, hybrid bank debt, um, regulatory capital as a way to generate alpha as a, as a sort of side pocket in a high yield fund. So I'm just curious, how do you guys at Advent feel about those types of convertible bonds, you know, as opposed to the sort of straight up corporate convertibles that we've been talking about in this discussion, especially from a kind of risk and allocation perspective, because that's one thing that's been debated a lot in the news recently. Yeah, that that's uh, obviously an asset class that's been in the news recently. Um, it's not something that we focus on at Advent. Um, and uh, we, we the, the bonds that we invest in have embedded call options, so we benefit from the upside, whereas uh, the, the 81 Cocos, it's really an embedded put option, so it's, mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it has downside potential. Right. Um, so uh, so we you know we we focus on uh, you know the the broad convertible market right right yeah regular corporate convertibles as opposed to the convertible the, the bank convertibles where one of your counterparties is effectively in, in some ways the regulator um, <laughs> well yeah I won't ask for your take on whether or not Credit Suisse shareholders should have had a recovery in the 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 additional tier one bail-in but you know that's um that's that's a matter for another time maybe. Thank you so much, though, for your help on helping me understand the, the convertible bond market much better. I look forward to uh, speaking with you again, Will. All right, so that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks once again to David for coming in and to all our listeners for tuning in. As always, please drop us a line on team at ninefin with n sorry team at ninefin.com with any comments or ideas. And don't forget to check in with our London colleagues next week for the latest on European markets. As always, we'll be back again the week after that in the US. So until then, take care. <laughs>